You can prepare for everything that you can control, but that's not very much. My goal was just to hunt as hard as I could, as long as I could, at all costs. Better ask it, man. <laughs> Speak for yourself. 28 and sunny, we're almost definitely going to have hikers on the trail, boys. I'm getting across that damn river, and I'm getting after those goats. Let's go. We're hunting. We're going after something. So this is, a, this is an episode that I've been trying to get together for... Since September, I've been I've been gunning to do this episode. Um, we got yeah. my good friend and hunting partner Garrett Vane back on. Hello, and then the man, the myth, the legend, Uli Crack <laughs> of Sumas Meats. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> my the the main reason I wanted to get you on, but we'll get we'll get into this later. But uh, I actually I actually you know I I liked what your, Garrett was asking there before you hit record, like. The that that really piqued my interest. How you're saying that the COVID hasn't really affected your business, but during Spring Bear, when everyone was off work, you saw an influx. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would think that did translate all the way to fall as well. Uh, you know, I, I'm in a very unique position, I think, in the hunting community, in the fact that I get to see way more of everything than pretty much anybody else does. Like I get to see more people, more animals, uh, more results, more, more of everything. Um, so, you know, when, when people come in and I get more stories, right? Quite oh, that's simply. A cool thing. Yeah. You only ever meet successful hunters. That's really cool. I never really thought about yes. that. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Only the good but, hunters uh, get to visit you are successful hunters, I should say. Just successfully. <laughs> Yeah, good and successful don't always go hand in hand, that's for sure. There's Fair definitely a, a large element of luck to it. But yeah. uh, I think there's definitely a common theme this fall of uh, more people in the bush than people are typically used to, even going to more remote areas. Um, and again, I believe that that was due at least in part to the fact that people that would normally go away you know, whether it was summer or fall or winter, you know, you typically go away on a trip, you weren't able to. So, okay, well, we can't go to Mexico and spend that money. So, right. yeah, we're going hunting. Well, I mean, good for them. I'm glad, like, if there's one positive from COVID that more people are getting into the outdoors. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's always a positive. Anytime that we can make our community bigger, um, and get more people involved, you know, whether they are successful or not. Uh, you know, it, that's something that's translated forever. As long as I've done this is seems the, the generic thread. <laughs> yeah, that's me, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I found you. <laughs> yeah. All these videos not working. So Garrett's Instagram creepy Uli and showing us. <laughs> I need to know who I'm talking to here. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Good looking dude. So, He's a good sorry looking to dude. Cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're exactly right, Uli. Like I was just having this conversation the other day. Like anything, like anything that uh, helps to bolster up that hunting community, especially in like a place like the lower mainland i think is uh definitely a positive a common theme forever is like um you know real i shouldn't say real hunters that's not fair but you know most hunters feel that a successful hunt doesn't necessarily mean that you got to bring an animal home you know spending time in the bush being out away from the you know your everyday and just being able to experience 
you know, what goes on outside of the norm is, is most people's idea of a successful hunt. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I had a guy call me, a guy called me today and he said, if I could do one more hunt in BC, should I go, uh, should I go on a mountain goat hunt or on a fly in sheep hunt or a boat in sheep hunt? Um, and I was like, well, what's the, what's the argument? And he said, and he said he really wanted to shoot a goat. Um, and the goat hunt was going to be higher odds. And I was kind of like, well, it sounds like you've already sort of decided you want to go for a goat. But if it was me, I'd be going for the sheep because I know it's a harder hunt to do. It's going to be less opportunity. Uh, I'd be doing the sheep hunt, not worrying. So if it's the last hunt you could do in BC, I wouldn't be so much worried about harvest as I would be um, experienced and enjoying the people you're out there with. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I definitely agree with that for sure. Hey, do you want to do a quick spiel on Sumas Meats? Ooh. Like how you got into um, how, how it all came. I know it's. I know you took over from your dad and like. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm definitely very fortunate with with how this has all come about for me. Uh, we've literally grown up in the butcher shop, like my siblings and I, and now my kids. Uh, you know, when they're when they're little, it's a point where you're literally sitting in a banana box with a blanket and a coloring book on the meat wrapping table and nice. that's your babysitting spot right that's the way it is that's perfect you know i i started as soon as i could stand on a milk crate and push meat in the grinder once upon a time right um that's epic. but uh yeah it's pretty pretty awesome so my dad started the shop and uh it's definitely evolved over the years into what it is now so uh, when he started I, was it was it a a meat cutting service for hunters or was it uh, going to be a butcher shop for the local farms? Like what was the, no, it was definitely intent? farm related for sure. Yeah. Um, for, for the most part, uh, he started off doing beef and pork, uh, primarily beef at first and then moved into making sausage and then moved into more smoking. Uh, there was one point in time where I actually, he did all the smoking for Johnson Packers, whereas oh, wow. now they're a huge, business you know there's no way that my little shop would be able to handle that now mm -hmm. but uh things change so then from there yeah he actually started a deli then we had like a a little storefront in there and you'd slice you know the families would come in and buy pork chops and steaks and ham and cheese and whatever right so we did that so again that was a one of my childhood chores was every sunday you empty the showcase out and clean everything or if customers come in okay you have to go slice the you know the the sandwich meats and stuff like that um and that was out of the, big... the shop that you're in now yeah absolutely buddy oh, yeah next time you're over i'll show you kind of how it was set up you know i think definitely... i've been out the back there and i is, is there still some like this uh like like refrigerated display things out the back there that i've seen not anymore. No, the ones okay. that were there was like was a big display case, like one that you would like walk up to now at uh, you know the deli section at yeah. Savon or something like that. Right, more like that. So you don't have a like a retail gig anymore. You don't have coolers and refrigerators it's, in there. We do. It's it's. I mean, it's a very small part of my business. We do have a refrigerated display cooler with um, you know things for sale. Uh, jerky, the basic sausages. I try and always stock. I always try to have the st the basics in stock. Um, yeah. A couple of the reasons I enjoy doing the retail side of things is is definitely not for the money. Because to be <laughs> honest, if I'm cutting a a big animal and I have to be interrupted, you know, I'm gonna go wash my hands, come over, help somebody. I might be there for 10, 15 minutes. 
and you sell 20 bucks worth of stuff, well, I would have made a lot more money than that if I'm actually cutting meat on the table, right? I get yeah. paid by the pound. So, um, But it gives me the opportunity to uh, play with flavors, textures, different things. If it's my own meat and I'm selling it, I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you guys go on your sheep hunt of a lifetime and you bring me your animal to work on it, I can't be like, oh, yeah, sorry that didn't turn out. I was going to try this. Like, <laughs> you can't replace that, right? Like nice. it's, it's a it's a pretty serious trust, right? When you guys drop that stuff off with me, I've got to make sure and take care of it. So so the retail side definitely gives me that, that opportunity. But I do just enjoy it. Also, you know, guys will come in, even if they're picking up, uh, uh, you know, two, three moose and a couple deer and they had all their own stuff made. And, oh, yeah, I need some bacon or a, oh, oh, jerky. Yeah, I'll grab some of that. And so it, it is fun to, you know, just have those different flavors out there. So, yeah, no, the retail side of things is a very small part of our business now with the custom being uh, probably 95, 97% of the business and retail being at the most a 5% part of the business. Where's the money, Wyuli? Is, is it in cutting and wrapping or is it in the is it in sausage? Most people think it's in the sausage, but um, if, it, if you're just doing the cutting and wrapping, there's less steps to the process. That's how I kind of so think. Things like move you, could, you could put animals through quick if all you had to do was cut and wrap. Way less handling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the sausage. So during hunting season, that takes up two full days. Uh, so during hunting season, we'll make sausage all day Wednesday, all day Sunday. Um, and then two evenings of packaging it all too, right? Well. I mean, we are just bulk packaging, but it's still, it's I'm not making 20, 30, 50 pounds. You're making, you know anywhere from four to six thousand pounds a week of sausage so that's a that's a a lot so you know yeah. often people are like well don't you vacuum pack it i'm like no but yeah, i would have somebody full time vacuum. Yeah. that's right well and then you know somebody's got 15 pounds of pepperoni for the deer and the next guy's got 150 pounds of sausage from their moose and somebody's a single guy so he wants it in small packages next guy's got you know a family of eight so they want to... no way man i'm not dealing with all that no not for me um yeah (laughs) um so kind of what changed our shop when my dad had it we actually had a big fire um let's see that would have been how old was i four three now so that would have been what 30 years so 90 uh 1990 1990 i was born in 1990 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we had a big fire then uh and i was just a kid but i remember it really clearly so after that things definitely changed a lot we got away from the retail side of things and got more so into custom cutting beef and that's when we started really getting more into the game cutting so then uh oh. things sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna ask so you like you still do beef and all that i've actually was going to bring one some of my cows at once, but then you guys were too booked, so I had to bring it somewhere else. But h- how much of it, like what percentage is uh, farm and what percentage is uh, wild animals, roughly? Like half-half or? Um, not anymore. As of, uh, I would say, if you would have asked me that question, um, you know, just over a year ago, I would have said probably 60% game, 40% beef. Uh, as of last year, uh, I would say it's the other way around now. And to be honest, like throughout game season, uh, I'll have my own reasons for it, but we turned a lot of beef away throughout hunting season. 
uh, for a few reasons. A, you're not supposed to yeah. have domestic and game in the same cooler. You're not supposed to cut them at the same time, make sausage at the same time. So the logistics of it is just too much to overcome. But also the way I uh, think of it in my own head, whether this makes sense is not. But uh, if you're raising beef, you can get them ready when it's you know when you want to basically whereas when you're hunting you're going up for a four-point muley or whatever you're doing you've got a very set amount of time that you're able to harvest this animal and with game you know the processing side of things is definitely much more uh time specific as opposed to you know processing beef so putting those at least three months aside for my hunters that's just the way my shop runs um but if I if I wanted to, and I don't, if I wanted to, I could stop cutting game and just cut beef. Yeah, that wouldn't be it fun at all. No, and that's a big. You actually <laughs> hit it right there, Chris. And you're absolutely right. You know, cutting cutting beef is faster. It's cleaner. It's easier on my knives. It's easier on my equipment. Every part of it is easier when um, you know somebody drops off uh, a beef and there's six seven hundred pounds hanging there well how many deer does it make take to make That's that right, up yeah okay well now i had to unload eight trucks take eight orders go in and out of the cooler eight times when you guys come and pick up i have to go in and out of the freezer eight times we had to make eight phone calls mm-hmm. so again if this was strictly a business thing yeah i know we're done cutting game but no that's not the way it works hunters built my business um, and that's definitely still, you know, what I'm connected to is the hunting side of things. And, uh, and it's just more fun. You know, hunters come in and they're excited and they've got these great stories. Yeah. Nobody's got any fucking good stories about, uh, <laughs> about shooting the beef, you know, <laughs> <laughs> at least hopefully they don't. Hopefully it went very smoothly, but, uh, it's like this guy <laughs> ate seven round bales or something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> Not right. Not that exciting. No. So yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of reasons, uh, you know, why I've kind of turned the business the way it has now. Um, you know, come now January, we're you know 95% uh, beef right now. The odd pig comes in here and there, and there's still a little bit of limited entry. Um, and then we do get you know still some business from the First Nations as well. So right. still a little bit of game, but very very little. Well, when you walk in there into your shop, it definitely has the um, has the image that you are catering to hunters. You you barely know that you cater to domestic animals as well. Um, yeah, and I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> suits you just fine, eh? I love it. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Yeah. Awesome. So then, so then you um, all right? So you've had this fire, then retail's gone. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, um, yeah. So then, from there, my dad definitely started working towards the, uh, uh, you know, more towards the game side of things and the um, custom cutting side of things, and a lot less retail. So then, as that progressed, uh, you know, the shop got a little bit busier, a little bit busier, and he would have the odd guy in helping out here and there. But uh, until um, when I started working as a mechanic and i would take uh, a three-month leave of absence every fall i think that went on for five six years and that really is what was able you know then there was two of us working seven days a week 
and you know we had my mom rapping and then another woman rapping so that's really what enabled us to take the next step up as far as volume wise and there was a point in time where i was okay i'm ready to take over the shop and he just wasn't ready so i'm like well all right i actually switched jobs i was working at john deere as a heavy duty mechanic oh yeah switched and i went into sales um so i went into sales for just over a year and when I was in sales, I wasn't able to take that three-month leave of absence. Uh, so I could only work evenings and weekends with him. And after that season, he's like, yeah, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> I'm never doing that again. He's like, either you're taking it over or I'll shut it down and just take care of my buddies. And so that evolved to 2012 is when I officially took it over with him. And then uh, we ran it together for the next couple of years. And then he passed in August 2015. And now we're busier year-round now than I can ever remember the shop being. Like as far as consistently busy all year round. Did you guys have different ideas for how you wanted to run the shop? Or was it just like a... Um, I shouldn't... I, that's hard to say. I think now, like the, the way that I've kind of moved things a little bit now might not have really suited him a hundred percent i still think he'd be you know happy to if he was still around happy to support me and still be here for sure yeah but uh it's just the way things go right uh things move things evolve i'm very happy with how the the business has evolved and you know slowly it does change a little bit every year hopefully not too much ever but uh yeah it's i i think he'd be okay with the way things have gone now well, if, it, if it's worth it, I think you do a fine job over there. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> I like. I, 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 we try hard. I like having you as a having you as a friend for when I uh, get in a in a spot. I, don't, oh, I yeah. e- even when people are call, someone will call me and say nobody's taking meat right now, and I'm like, yeah, somebody's taking my meat. Like, yeah. all he's always got, always got a soft spot for his buddies, which is nice. Yeah, I know. It gets me into trouble with. The oh, I shouldn't team, say but- that. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> nah, that's and that's something that I'm not afraid to put out there. Is you know anybody that if you're gonna, in my opinion, if you're gonna be successful in business, you gotta take care of the people that take care of you. And if that means I have to turn somebody else away, hey, I'm I'm sorry, but that's just the way it goes. We, and I don't know if anybody would argue that they run their business any other way than that. We could also um, quantify that with like, I'm not just getting a. A, a, like a bit of a mates rate deal with you. I'm also your electrician, so um, yeah. if you know if the something dies, normally normally yeah, no, absolutely it goes both ways. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so there you go. Don't nobody yeah. nobody call Luli and try and try and sl- pull a fast one. You gotta you gotta be there. <laughs> so I, I feel kind of bad now um, because now I don't even answer the phone anymore during hunting season. I I'm on the I'm on the saw I'm on the table cutting or I'm making sausage I never answer the phone anymore and I do feel bad because people go hey can I talk to Uli it's like yeah no he's busy yeah oh like, <laughs> uh, I mean you don't again, even answer your own cell phone not anymore no and again that's just kind of the evolution oh, wow. of the way that it's gone now is in the off season then I then I can right but um, during hunting season now because we're literally that busy you know we're putting I'm putting in 80 hours a week for almost four months. So, Oof. yeah, no, if you want me to cut another deer, I can't be on the phone. I've got to be on the knife. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good for you. So the, what, what, I, what I really wanted to get your scoop on, Uli, was um, I wanted to get into 
Mate carrying the field. Yes. Um, I think you knew I wanted to go down this road. And I wanted to, uh, wanted to yeah. get into a specific incident that happened with Garrett and I. And you know about this because I inreached you from the mountain. Um, yes, sir. So if anyone's listened to any of the podcasts or like followed any of the stories from our goat hunt, um, the Garrett and I were both successful on opening day goats in September and it was pretty warm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, it must have been, I must have been hitting 20 degrees during the day, I would think. Oh, no problem. It was, it was easily yeah. 20 degrees. Um, and now, Uli, you can, you can like interject at any where wherever you think I went wrong in this process. But I spent, I know I yeah, definitely spent too long caping the animal because I was trying to get it sorted out for a full mount. So I, I was caping um, and I was probably spending more time on the hide than I, should, than I was on the meat. Um, although I was trying to keep the meat covered with the hide as much as I can. If it was, I wasn't, wasn't leaving meat open, but I was putting in game bags and maybe not tying them up straight away. Um, mm-hmm. Like you, are you already seeing red flags in this whole plan? No, it's, you know, the, the number one question that people ask me for sure, and this is easily the number one question is, what temperature yeah. can I hang my, or what temperature can I still have my meat in camp at? Um, and, you know, I did make a, a post on the, the BC Hunting Facebook page at the beginning of the season, just a, a few small pointers, and that seemed to have a lot of reach and and uh, positive comments coming back on that. Um, you know, the reason, the real reason we hunt is to put, you know, organic clean food in our freezers right mm-hmm. we want to we do want to be out there we do want to enjoy the nature we do want to be out with the animals you get to see things that nobody else sees you have to go places nobody else goes but at the end of the day you do want to fill the freezer um so meat care starts right from the get-go right and and it's hard because i have always felt that hunting pretty much everything you do right down to the equipment you use there's always positives and negatives right mm-hmm. double-edged sword to everything um, and I always have to temper the things that I say to my customers, just because again, I'm in a position to see more animals than anybody. Right. Um, but I do have to also remember that there's a lot of guys that might shoot an animal every two, three, four or five years. So, you know, okay, I can skin a deer in a couple of minutes, but it might take them an hour and they didn't do a great job. Well, they're not proficient at it. It's not their job. It's not what they do. They don't, you know, they don't get two, three deer every single year and get to keep those skills up, right? Right, yeah. So, so meat care definitely is, is number one, is starts right from the second that you're, you know, the, the second before you pull the trigger, I guess, is when, when it all starts, really. Um, yeah. You know, did that animal hit the ground cleanly? Did you have to chase it for three, four hours? You know, all that stuff makes a huge difference as far as what kind of time you're going to get in the bush with that animal. Something I'll say so, on uh, short time frames with these goats. So that's the, my second yeah. my second goat that I've taken. Um, man, they bloat up almost instantly. Wow. Both of the goats that I've yeah. shot have... Uh, bloated up and i'm not yeah i'm not i think i'm not gut shooting these these goats um they're like i mean how how long did it take before we're on onto that goat garrett 
from when I, I say shot. 40, 45 minutes or less. From when I shot to when I, we were standing at the goat? Yeah, because remember I took the time because I took the shot at the other goat right. between then. So, but still less than 45 minutes. But my goat was the same. Like both the goats I got, same Dub, thing. Double in you size, know. Uli. Doubled in size. That's but, amazing. And 45 minutes is definitely not in by any means out of, uh, you know, the realm of a good time to reach your game by any means. Yeah, I thought, well, you know, they, I thought it was said, pretty you know, swift. Yeah, so, absolutely. Chris, when you shot that goat at the end of October a few years ago, was that one also the same, that it bloated up yep. big? Yep, right away. Oh, okay. That, oh, one, okay. And that, one was a, that one was more of a frontal shot. Um, but again, I don't, I don't think I uh, was shooting through the guts and everything. So Yeah, because yeah. for me, I just, I just sort of thought it was maybe a warm weather thing. No, it was exactly. Yeah, I, I remember that because I remembered as soon as we got up to my goat, I'm like, oh, I forgot about this. These things get big for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, different animals definitely um, will and won't hang or will and won't uh, withstand different abuses in the field. Uh, you know, something, let's say, like uh, black bears. Mm-hmm. Very much like pork, of course, right? That's not the animal that you want to hang in camp for a week. It, they just do not age well. They don't they don't dry up the same way. They don't tack up the same way. Yeah. They have a natural grease, a natural oil, and that's you knocked your black bear down. Great, everything's nice and cold, awesome. You want to be there for another day or two? Yeah, sure. You want to be there for another week or so? I don't recommend it. That's not not the animal for that. Um. Right. Let's say if you were to compare even uh, an elk to a moose, uh, elk will bone sour faster than a moose will. Why? That one I don't have a, an explanation for it. Um, it's just the, the the things that I've seen over the years and over the thousands of animals that I've seen is that... What, uh, what does know, that mean? Somebody... What, what's that term? What's bone sour? What do you mean by that? Um, so... Like spoiled? Okay, so you've, spoil you've taken your shot... Uh, it actually, the bones actually start to, to gas from the inside out. Oh. So you, and you'll smell it right away. You'll see the, the outside of the meat will start to turn green. And if you cut into it, you'll see that at the joints, the joints themselves have completely changed color. Ew. So does, when we, t- yeah, go ahead, Garrett. I was going to say, does it make a difference if you bone it out? But you might want to finish that first there. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Um, so the, the number one thing with, uh, with meat care in the field definitely is, um, getting that initial body heat out and that's where the bone sour comes from. And again, that comes back to my first comment of the number one question that people ask me is, well, what temperature can I hang my game at? And the reason I can never give a straight answer is, you know, if you did shoot your 800 pound moose and you got to it immediately, you gutted it, you got back to camp and, you know, half an hour and you had that thing hung up and skinned all that heat comes out the body heat comes out right you got the skin off if you've got if all the setup is right right you got the right shot you're in a good position you've got the right gear to get that animal out you've got the right camp set up so you can get it hung and clean and skinned and get that heat out after the initial body heats out you don't you're not going to get that bone sour air anymore right so now my response always to that question is, okay, well, as long as you've got that initial body heat out and the animal itself is cold, from there, you can use your senses. How does it look? How does it smell? How does it feel? Because after that initial body heats out, if something's going to happen to the meat, it's going to happen from the outside in, not the inside out. And that you can see, that you can smell. Uh, Two years ago, we were up. The only time I get to go hunting is uh, early August hunt for moose up north. 
So that opens on the 15th. So usually we'll leave here August 13th, get up there, set up camp, and then we're hunting by the 15th. Uh, we were fortunate, got a smaller bull, and we had it in camp for five days. And I mean, in the middle of August, just like you guys were saying, you know, daytime temperatures are up into the mid 20s. Nighttime temperatures are cold. You're down, you know, below five degrees at night. But during the day, it, it's very warm. So, okay, the initial body heats out. Uh, it's shady, the spot that we have there. There's actually a nice breeze often going through there. Uh, we use bed sheets to cover it so you're not getting any bugs on there. Uh, you know, going through every day, go take a look at it. Are there any fly eggs? Are there any wasps in there? That kind of stuff. Keep all that out of there. You know, how does it look? How does it smell? And it ended up waiting till the last day before I was leaving. We ended up shooting another bull that night. So I, I took both of them home the next day. But uh, that smaller bull ended up hanging in our camp in the middle of August for five full days and no issues at all. Now we have the right setup. We had enough manpower. So yeah, that, that animal was hung up and cooled very quickly. That's that's the biggest thing. So like a minute ago, I was saying, um, you know, there's, there's pluses and minuses to everything. I've often seen guys argue online, well, if it's warm, get in a creek to get it cold. And the other guy says, no, you can never get it wet. And I would rather have cold wet meat than warm dry meat right but if, if, you, if it comes that, down to that's it that's where we went <laughs> that's what yeah, we were thinking got, too it's so. it's that's the way it goes right it there's always pluses and minuses it's like no you can't get it wet well it's not great to leave it wet for days but if you need to cool it down you got to do what you got to do sometimes yeah. and it's part of the reason i really enjoy hunting and you know again like i said I, i'm in a very unique position but i feel like you never stop learning you know you get guys come in they've been doing this forever and then you give them some little tip and they're like, holy geez, I never knew that. That's great. So it's a lot of fun that way. And I really feel like that, that helps build the community and kind of helps to keep the ego out of it a little bit is, you know, there's always a different situation that you haven't been prepared for. You haven't seen before. Absolutely. I really like that take on things. All right. So yeah, we, we, we needed to cool our meat and we essentially ended up, we ended up throwing it in the creek, but the, the, the real concern was, um, we we had discovered maggots on on this meat, on uh, on two of the game yep. bags had maggots in it, um, and I, I I can only assume that flies had landed on the meat while I was doing the caping job, or got into the bags so, and and laid eggs. So these were these were first day maggots. Like you could see where they had laid and where they were spreading. Because where we had found the maggots, they were all like within a two inch circle. You know how they they start in one spot and then they spread, go out from there. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, I mean, that's not the end of the world. It does happen. You were doing, you can tell thing. us if we're idiots, Julie. No, no, <laughs> that's again, right. There's sometimes there's nothing you can do. You're keeping that thing. And yeah, I mean, years ago when I was out there with my old man and there's literally clouds of flies, well, there's nothing you can do to keep them all off. Yes. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. There's a lot of precautions you can do to help. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in the uh, uh, vinegar and water. As soon as you're in a position to get it, you know, when you're in the field, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do to get back to camp. Yeah, we were sometimes way in there, goes. so there was no yeah, vinegar. Yeah, absolutely. Garrett around. filled his backpack no, no. with salt and didn't bring any vinegar. Yeah. yeah. To, <laughs> I didn't know I had salt in there for the first couple hours until I uh, <laughs> opened my bag up. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you doing so that, So then, uh, the mantle, thank oh, you. No yeah. 
Yeah, I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Yeah, so we, I, 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 I called you. In a, that helps. I called you so, in a panic from the mountain there, Uli, and I, I remember just thinking, all right, yeah, this bro. is done. Like the, yeah, like I, I had never experienced maggots on the meat. I didn't know what to do, and I initially thought, yeah, this whole, like it's all, all the meat's gone, all the meat's wasted. Um, I started in reaching people, in reach you, in reach another buddy. One, one piece of feedback I got was um, to cut cut it all away and clean it with vinegar, and I can't remember what you said. But I think by the time you got back to me, I, all like I, it was already in the creek. And um, basically, we didn't have we didn't have garbage bags. We didn't have anything. We game bags, and we threw it in the creek. Um, the, we of, we like hand scrubbed. That yeah, that's right. So we spent we a that. couple of hours in the creek washing the meat, like trimming it, each piece individually, like washing all the maggots <laughs> off of it. And then yeah, so, yeah, sneaking and, and up like behind said, us while we're doing this joy that's exciting no thanks yeah (laughs) yeah no thanks is right no i mean you guys did the right thing it again it's it's a move and react thing right okay so this is what we did uh this is what happened okay now what do we do right how do we take care of this um any like i said you're you're not always in the position to have the perfect meat care it that's just not hunting that's not a that's not a realistic version of every hunt by any means um the vinegar and water helps right it helps to take the bacteria off helps to clean the blood off uh to a small degree it helps with flies we've used a lot of black pepper in the past it helps with flies you know there's no guarantee to anything you know a lot of guys will use uh uh, the bed sheets and they'll black tape it up around like the, the ankles and awesome but then when they get to my place i've undone that black tape and there is fly eggs not maggots but fly eggs packed like pack packed in there there's no meat there it's just bone but they're trying oh right? they're packed up around the, the duct tape the tape yeah really? um i i'm definitely oh, I not not a real believer in um in most game bags right uh i find that the the weave is too coarse and flies can easily get in there they can land and they can still lay eggs wasps can still get in there and they can still eat um it's good for keeping pine needles off it's good for keeping leaves off it's better than nothing but it's not great um i always tell people go get a go get your your bed sheets go get um uh, a duvet cover right yeah essentially it's a great big sack Right, it's still breathable, but it's not going to allow those things through. For uh, for backpacking, before I got onto the game bags that I'm on now, which are essentially still the same thing, I used um, pillowcases for a long time. Yeah, perfect. So, I mean, like, and you see, you mentioned very briefly there, you mentioned garbage bags. Um, I would never tell people to use plastic, except for in an instance like you guys, yeah. where you are hiked way up somewhere, um, and you know you're you're having to uh, field process this thing to get it back to camp. So you're taking hips off, you're taking shoulders off and putting those from the animal into a plastic bag, into your backpack. That's no problem, right? It's not something that it's not going to be in there for the next day. Right. It's going to be in there for the next, whatever it takes you to get back to camp. I've never, I've never gone for the ga- the garbage bags. That was one of the first things I learned when I started getting into this. And, um, it just makes sense to, you know, like um, when you put like a warm meal in the fridge, in a Ziploc yep. container, it, you know, it sweats and, you know, that's not ideal. The only time that I could see the game bag being coming in use would be if you could get the meat cold 
Like if you could already get it cold, then garbage bag it, then throw it in the water. Then you've got yeah. dry and cold and the meat's not yeah, that's condensating fair. inside the bed. That's when I would use it. I'm not too worried. <clears throat> I'm not too worried about a bit of blood running out of the bottom of my backpack and down the back of my legs. It's not comfortable, but I don't know. <laughs> Just, but You're a savage. Generally, if I've, if I've hung the meat for a day or two, the, it's stopped dripping and it's tacked up and... Yeah, you know, this yeah, it's not 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 horrible to handle anymore. So, yeah, absolutely, and and that's I mean, in ideal circumstances, you can get it hanging, and it gets dry and it gets tacked up, just like you said. In less than ideal situations, you know, it's pouring rain, and the thing never has a chance to dry up. It never has a chance to tack up, mm-hmm. uh, and then when it gets to me it still doesn't dry up and it ages very, very quickly. So instead of, you know, being able to hang in my cooler for, let's say, a week, 10 days, 12 days, whatever, after three, four days, that thing's ready to be cut because it ages so quickly because it has never dried up. Yeah. How, how, uh, I know bad is not the right word, but how, like, how much quicker does it age with the water, like, with it being wet? Like, let's say it's even in Glacier Bed Creek. Like, you know, it's, cold cold creek is that going to be a problem if it sits in there for a week or i know you don't um, like to put numbers on it but like let's say compared well, to hanging out my meat was um, gr- you know the the exposed ends of my meat garrett were gray and they were no, that was because the water no they weren't it was, sorry that was uh, like that almost looked cooked on the ex- you know like on the inside of the hip and stuff where where there was exposed muscle ends um it had been like pulverized by the running water so much that it had, it looked cooked. It looked like it had been cooked and I had to trim that off. But I, I, I don't yeah, think I wasted any meat because it, by the time it would have tacked up anyway, I would have trimmed that off. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, being in, being when it's wet, it definitely ages quicker. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and that's just, you know, bacteria likes warm, moist is, is, you know, when it, does its best thing which is not what we want right you want cold and dry is our best but again that's that's not the realistic version of of hunting on every single trip again cold and wet is better than uh you know warm and dry so yeah it's still better it's still the the better of the of your options um it'll age you know almost twice as fast and if it stays wet for days and again, uh, because I get to see so many animals, you know, sometimes guys are like, man, I packed this thing in my cooler and I filled it with ice. And here I am four days later, because that's how long it took us. <laughs> like, hey, man, it is what it is. Yeah. So does it change the color of it? Does it change the texture of it? Yes. But you didn't lose it. You didn't ruin it. It's it's not the best that we could have had, but it's not ruined. It's not garbage. A little more hamburger, basically. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing, really. No, Especially that's right. Family. <laughs> yeah. Oh, as a family man, like the hamburger, the the, gra- the ground meat, the hamburger cuts are the best. That's the most. Yeah. Like, there's no trophy cuts in my house. It's all ground and a couple of steaks. <laughs> and you yeah. know, to be honest, that's something that's definitely changed. You know, since since I was a kid, where it was like you know as many roasts as possible. Yeah. You know, just the best steaks, lots of stew, all the ribs. Whereas now it's it, you know our you know, we still cut every single animal as, a, as you know, according to what each hunter wants. 
but without a doubt the vast majority of people are want yeah i just want the best steaks a couple of roasts and lots of burger it's yeah. so versatile Luli. like it's you know like anybody yep. can cook it i can my wife can do it when Absolutely. i'm not home yeah not, nothing fancy <laughs> sam yeah. in our house the hamburger is always the first thing to go and the stuff that I haven't ground up yet, it's always like, when are you going to grind that meat? When are you going to grind that meat? Because we need more hamburgers. Like, I'm going to buy hamburger if you don't grind it. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll do it now. Like, don't buy yeah, meat. Don't buy hamburger. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she knows She knows the right, tr- my wife knows the right trigger to get me to, get you to, moving. to grind up that meat. <laughs> that's, nice. that's too good. So what do you, th- what, what, uh, what goes through your head, Uli, when someone comes through with a, with a boned out animal? Um, well, it all depends. Uh, I've got everything. That, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I know I've bought you I'll some, messy, this one some messy projects at, at, from time to time. Yeah, sure you have. Yeah. But you also like to go places that most people don't and you'll hike in most places people won't. Um, you know, you're not driving your pickup truck or your quad and pulling the trigger off the back. You know, you're, you're going hell and gone so mm-hmm. again that that comes part and parcel in with what you're doing now to be fair i, I like you more than most people so i'll take care of your stuff <laughs> but uh <laughs> um you know when it comes to boned out uh, i'll give this one group as an example um they've been working with me for years now and uh the first couple of times they came in and their their meat care as far as cleanliness was good but um they're cutting was not and at the end they were picking their meat up and they're like man i have got like 90 percent burger i'm like well i can't put a roast back together after you guys <laughs> cut it into six pieces man like this it just doesn't work that way so they've gotten really really they've gotten really good over the last couple of years and i think this last year they came in and my made my job quite easy um so bonuses to boning an animal out uh uh you know as far as getting the heat out you know that definitely makes a big big difference there you know you're taking the bones out you're taking the meat off mm-hmm. you're really giving that uh that heat getting a chance to get out right so that's nice um as long as you know what you're doing for the cuts you're going to salvage that uh the, the dangerous side of it is cleanliness you know are you boning this animal out on the side of the mountain or were you able to bring it back to camp and you've got some sort of a makeshift table plywood tailgate something that you can work on Mm -hmm. you know so again i i always feel there's pluses and minuses to everything uh you know i i the bonus being i love deboning because i think it's an effective method for uh getting the meat off the mountain but i actually hate deboning it because yeah it's not as clean and you're exposing so much more more meat to air so feel like you get more of the dried dried outer surface so i feel like i waste more meat uh that way well yeah that's that's definitely true um but again because you go where you go it's a necessity you guys are up on a sheep hunt absolutely yeah you're not going to be carrying down all that weight yeah. you, you just can't same thing like we have you know guys that go in on fly-in trips you're not bringing back you know two animals if they're still on the bone right that's a lot of weight mm-hmm. that doesn't need to be there yeah what's your uh what's your take on leaving well before i leave that uh if the if if my hike out isn't too long i will try and leave bones in like i'll try and take the quarters bone in 
Um, as long as I don't have to hike for, you know, a really long way. But if it's downhill most of the way and it's, you know, six kilometers and under, I'll, I'll leave the, uh, I'll leave the bones in the legs just to make it that much easier when I get at home. Yeah. And to have some bone broth too. and that's some bone broth. Bonus. And I love bone in shank. So that's a nice one. Um, you yeah. know what? Both the things that you guys just said, that's actually been a really nice trend that I've liked over the last probably two, three, four years is more and more people want those bones back. Yeah. They want to make bone broth. And, yeah. you know, the the bone in shank, like you said, Chris, there, you know, the osobuco, whether you cut it, you know, cross cut it or on a, on a smaller animal like a, a deer or something like that, where you just leave, you know, the shank hole and you can uh, braise it like that. You know, it, it's been a nice trend lately where people are taking what are traditionally, uh, you know, low-end cuts. Yeah. And, but now because we can, you know, see all these things on, on social media or cooking channel or whatever, and you, you see, okay, well, I can take a shank, which is, you know, a, a low-end cut, really, and it's extremely tough if you don't cook it correctly. Mm-hmm. Once you cook it correctly, it's amazing. Yeah. So I, I'm really happy to see that trend. I'm always happy when I see the the most amount of the animal utilized oh, of course yeah. the more of it that goes back to the customer the better the happier i am with that do you get a lot of animals come in like hide on you know just gutted <laughs> that's exactly where i was going what's uh, your take on hide on <laughs> uh we we used to uh again when my when my dad was here uh i was out there probably three four five nights of the week skinning animals um but after he passed it was just too much of a workload for me i just couldn't do it so we've definitely whittled that down quite a bit yeah. uh so okay, you now just this tell year, people like skin it first then you've got to skin it, it yeah so okay. whereas this year now um uh you know my daughter my son my girlfriend they've they've definitely stepped up they've both they've all started skinning and i was like hey if we're gonna offer this there, there's no no you either you do or you don't so when somebody comes in, uh, it doesn't matter whether you feel like it or not, you've you got to skin it. So now pluses and minuses. Um, and I've caught myself with this a couple times is, you know, when guys come in and I'm I'm too busy, you know, I'm sorry, I'm too busy, I can't skin it. You guys can hang it up outside of my shop here. You can use my rail and you can skin it. Um, well, they didn't skin it for a reason. It's because they're not good at it. Oh, yeah. So 45 minutes later, they're done and this thing is covered in hair <laughs> covered like covered uh and i i don't understand how this happens i really don't but um Just and then i'll kick down. myself it's not that it, yeah crazy. literally like you're you're hanging in front of the shop a it's pole. a clean area yeah, so it's um in, in an instance like that if someone's really really it's it's not in their wheelhouse they're not comfortable with it you know then then you should bring it in with the hide on um there's instances where you've had to let's say drag it through such a dirty area that you know if you take the hide off the thing would be filthy okay leave the hide on um when it does start to get dangerous is um you know when it's warmer temperatures and you know these animals their hides are designed by nature to keep heat in that's what they're for right they're they don't there's no inside there's no fireplace for these guys they're they're outside every day 365 days so you know that hide is designed to keep heat in so as soon as you pull the trigger that thing hits the ground that heat doesn't want to get out mm-hmm. so leaving the hide on uh, a couple years ago i want to say five years ago i had two young guys brought in uh, and the one deer would have been the biggest deer in my shop for the whole year 
they brought it in and I, I know them both quite well and I swore at them up and down and I took the front half of the deer and I threw it straight in the dumpster. Oh no. And this was late November. They shot them and they're like, oh, it was snowing. It was like minus 10. I'm like, I don't give a shit if it was minus 50. This is green and it's not green after you got it skinned. It's green before you got it skinned. You guys shot it late. You decided not to go after it. You came back in the morning, gutted it, skinned it. Yeah, that's what we did. Cool. There you go. So ambient temperature, of course, makes a difference. But this buck was so big. uh, His muscle mass was so big. His hide was so thick that even though it was, you know, minus 10, that wasn't enough. I took the whole front half, threw it straight in the dumpster. So uh, it was a real shame. But so animals coming in, again, you want to look at the pluses and minuses. You know, if it comes in with a hide on, you know, me or my family here, we can skin it and it's going to be really clean as long as you got it properly and got that initial heat out. Now, when a moose comes in, not skinned or an elk, then I'm much more concerned just because the muscle mass, right? right? Um, so, you know, I, again, I get to see so many, so, you know, let's just say it's last light, which is a very com- common time to shoot. Um, you'll get, you see an animal last light, you pull the trigger and you get to it, you got it. And you're like, you know what? It's too dangerous to recover this thing tonight. It's too dark. We can't get out. We'll come back in the morning. I've seen it where when that happens, because you couldn't get it skinned or didn't take the proper precautions, the side that was on the ground, still laying on the grass or dirt or whatever, that side actually will go sour because the heat can't get out. So in that instance, you know, having some rope with you, even some sticks or rocks to prop that up, get some airflow. If you have a rope, you could tie it uh, to a tree. So at least you've got the legs open, prop a stick in between to get the legs open, you know, whatever it takes. Sometimes there's no way to recover an animal, but uh, taking every precaution that you can to get that heat out is the big thing for sure. So uh, given perfect conditions, this is something that I, I I would like to, to be able to make it work. Given perfect conditions, you can get all the you can get the heat out, get the guts out. You've got it hang, hung right away. Is there a benefit to leaving the hide on from a butchering standpoint? Like I always I always enjoy when I peel the skin back and the skin the the the, the meat underneath hasn't aged at all and it's brand new. I don't have to trim anything. I'm good to go. So if I can have cold meat and then take the hide off moments where I'm going to start butchering. I always kind of like that. Am I, am I crazy there, Uli, or? No, absolutely not. No, I agree. Um, I don't see any downside to that at all. Uh, obviously, in my shop, that's impossible yeah. because I have so many animals yes. hanging there that I don't want any hide in my shop, 100%, right? 100%. Any hair at all. Um, so, but in, in your instance, if you've got it hanging somewhere, you've got your own cooler or mm. you're you know hunting and you're deciding to process it there, Absolutely. I don't see any downside to that at all. Not only does it preserve the the meat as far as, um, you know, uh, drying out, but obviously it keeps, uh, keeps bugs and everything off too, right? So it, it, there's definitely no downside to that as long as temperatures work with you. Uh, yeah. you know, you gutted it right away. You got it back to camp. You got it hanging. It's nice and cool. Meat temperature is good. Leaving the hide on definitely obviously protects the meat from, uh, you know, drying out, 
from getting that um, eh, sometimes almost black exterior on them, right? Uh, yeah, so what do you do in the shop with that? Do you guys trim that off it, it and, and then start making your roast under that? It all depends. Um, no, again, you got to, from my side of things, let's say you bring in a 70 pound deer and it's all black like that. Yep. Uh, every time I trim it off, you're losing weight. Of course. All right. So, so black like what? Like I've it's never dried out that. so much that it's gone black. Like the skin's dry aged. Yeah, oh, okay. exactly right. It's it's that's crazy. Yeah, it happens. It actually happens quite quickly if you're um, like especially late season hunting and it's really cold and windy, like a really cold dry wind. Then the outside of the game will will darken up, like almost black, and will dry up really really quickly. Um, okay. A lot less so. Yeah, because I've had experience leaving it. I've had it a mule deer where I had it in my shop for a whole month in November and it didn't do that. But then of course it's still air. Um, you know, it's two degrees outside, two degrees inside, whatever. But it, yeah, that's obviously ideal condition. That's probably similar to what your cooler yep, is. That's right. Right in your meat yeah. shop. Yeah. I try and run, I'll try and run between one and three degrees, um, is what I try and get all my coolers at. Uh, so my two hanging coolers and then my two storage coolers, I'll run at about zero to one degree. Um, just because, okay, your, your game's already been in my hanging cooler for, you know, let's just say a week we've cut it. You want some sausage made. Okay. That goes into a separate bucket into the back storage coolers. Well, it's already been there for a week, so I don't really want it to age anymore. So I'll bring that temperature down, you know, another one or two degrees just to keep it as cold as possible. Mm -hmm. Right. So at what point, so you said in, in, in regards to the, the dry out of skin or like it depends. Yeah, so, so at what, you know, at it, what point would you keep it? If it's, if it is excessive, um, you know, to the point where it's going to be detrimental to, uh, you know, the quality of the meal, then, then I'll trim it. If it is just uh, cosmetic, then I won't, uh, because you know, I'll have somebody go home with their 70 pound deer. They're going to put it on their bathroom scale and be like, Hey man, I only got 35 pounds back. But, All right. Well, that's <laughs> about right. You know, it, it, it was a small deer. You, you don't get a lot back. You wanted the whole thing boneless or, you know, it was a bad shot or it wasn't clean. Right. You know, there's, there's a lot of reasons cutting, cutting deer can be very, um, I shouldn't say tough. Uh, that's not quite the word I'm looking for. Uh, but it's a challenge for sure to try and get the most out of it. And if it is cosmetics, then often I'll leave it if I can. Now, again, if it's a big moose and the outside is a little bit dark, no problem that I can skin off. You know, you, you've got the size, you've got the weight so that I, I can provide not only a good meal, but one that looks beautiful as well. Or sometimes with a small right. deer, I just don't have that option. Either you're going to get this roast and the outside is going to be black or you're not going to get it at all. It's going to go into stew or burger or sausage, you know? Yeah. So again, it, just to reiterate that if it is, you know, detrimental to the meat quality, okay, then I'll trim it. Sometimes when they come in from up North and they've been in that dry wind and, you know, let's say like the flanks are literally dry as jerky. Yeah, no, that's not, that's not going in. That's going to be not eating that. No. Do you dabble with any dry aging? Have you tried that ever before? Uh, not as much as I want to, to be honest. That's something that's always really interested me. Um, I've done a little bit, but um, I want to do a lot more for sure. That's something that I, that I really want to get into more. 
I would I would like to try it. Can you like briefly explain like <clears throat> like yeah how it works? Like are we dry? Are you drying it to the point that it is jerky and doesn't need to be cooked, or does this meat still need to be cooked? Yeah, no, like uh, curing meats, they don't have to be cooked anymore. So let's just take for example like um, uh, like a, a dry cured salami or a landjäger, right? Uh, so something like that. I'll just cold smoke it. It won't actually get cooked, and it'll cure. You won't ever have to cook it. It gets to the point where it's dry, it's hard, and it's cured right through, and it's completely safe to eat. It's safe to hang. Uh, you know, a lot of people like those for hunting, hiking, camping. You know, something like that. You can put in your pocket for two, three days, forget about it, and be like, oh, sweet. <laughs> you know, here's a sausage. Eat away. Um, yeah. So dry curing meats is is very much along those same lines, right? Where you're actually curing it instead of cooking it. And does it need smoke? Like, has to be smoked, or? Um, well, when I do the sausage, you know, that's definitely part of the flavor process. And there's, even though you're cold smoking it, there there is some temperature to it to keep the process moving, right? Uh, you know, when I do the um, uh, landager in particular, you know, I'll cold smoke it after we make it. Uh, it'll hang for anywhere from let's say three to five days depending on what the uh, ambient conditions are like and you know and you can feel it it's a little bit soft okay is it curing or is it going to go sour you know okay time to cure it again or time to get it back in the smoker again keep that process moving you'll know, get a little bit more moisture out uh right you do on, on those in particular you do put a um uh, an additive in almost very similar to let's say uh like a bacteria culture if you were making um uh, yeah, you right. know, yogurt or something like that, right? <clears throat> right. Yeah. So that that's that's something that I've I would definitely love to get more into doing dry cured meats for 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 sure, and not not to ever offer it to all the uh, to all my my customers, but just something fun to do, right? Just to to enjoy it. I would I would like to do it. If you're gonna do it, let me know because I'll 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 come by with some meat. I'd love to try it. I'd love to. I just think it'd be a cool experience and cool. cool cool way to enjoy it, a different way to enjoy it. All right. Well, I think that's something that you and I should should make happen then, and uh, we'll document it as we go then. Perfect. I love it. Yeah, I, I think love we should, it. We should, do, we should plan for that this spring then. All right. So I got to be one of those successful hunters. There we go. Would or, it work all right right with bear? Um, yeah, I would think so. I mean, you it works with pork, right, when you make prosciutto and stuff like that. So yeah. I would think that we could make that work for sure. Even a trichinosis in there? I'm up for a challenge. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the guinea pig, though? Are you gonna take the first oh, bite? Oh sure. No, Uli? Yeah, you betcha. Man, the, the amount of stuff, <laughs> yeah. uh, the amount of raw meat that I've eaten, I'm I'm okay. Oh yeah, you yeah. think you've already you've got the trick already, Uli? No, I don't think so. No. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to bother you too much if you do. It's kind of like one of those things. Would it be that bad to have it, really? Meh, I'm not worried. Then you, could, then you could get on to eating medium rare bear steaks. Bear steaks, that's yeah. right, yeah. Ah, oh, I've got, got it. Let's just go trip. for it full tilt now. Kind of, right? There's got to be a little bit of that going on. We've got to <laughs> yeah, find someone right. that's got it and we've got to ask them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Like, is there a downside? <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. Hey, we're coming up on an hour here, Uli, so uh, we're going to shut down. But I, All right, I, I, I hope that we added some value there. That oh, got, what do you got, Garrett? You got something? Okay, one more, one more yeah. quick question. Do you get a lot of uh, organs, like hearts and livers, and what do you do with those? Um, very few. Uh, okay. Most often, if people bring that in, 
Um, you know, sometimes people are like, well, can you just grind the liver into the burger? I'm like, yeah, no, that's the texture's gonna be off, the taste is gonna be off. That's a hard no. Um, people have asked me to make liver sausage. It's not like making sausage. It's a very involved process. So again, I'm sorry. No. Uh, what I'll do then, you'll sk I'll skin the liver, slice it, give it back to them like that. Um, when yeah, we're in the bush, good. those are the things we eat right away. We'll eat the liver yeah. right away, eat the tongue right away, eat the heart right away. Um, if somebody brings the heart in, you know, it's it's a beautiful muscle. If they want it back, I'll you know half it, clean out all the um, all the connective tissue, clean off the hard fat. And give it back to them if they don't want it back that's a beautiful chunk to go into the burger right it's still a beautiful muscle group so um but for us yeah. personally that's those are the things that we eat when we're in the bush right away and it's yeah. honestly it's one of our favorite parts about of hunting is, is being able to enjoy those organ meats right away do you have a dabble with the coal fat which no i haven't i haven't um again that's that's not as high on my list as the as the cured meats but i think that'd yeah. be fun too I uh I've never done it either. <clears throat> For people that don't know, the coal fat's the fatty spiderweb sack that keeps all the guts together. Um, I mean, it's it, supposed it, to be beautiful for like, and especially on game where you know, if you compare a game to beef, well, a beef doesn't move for to to live, right? Uh, yeah. It doesn't have to evade predators to live. It doesn't have to search for food. So that fat, you know, when you get a marbled steak when you go out for dinner. Well, it's not moving. It doesn't have to do anything. Whereas game, even let's say in August when we shoot a fat moose, that fat's all exterior fat. It's it's extremely rare when you'll have a piece of game where it's actually marbled through because they just mm -hmm. don't have the opportunity. Those muscles are always moving, right? They're they're moving to live. So using right. that fat, uh, you know, if you were to wrap a roast or something like that with that fat, honestly, I think it would be amazing. Yeah, I think that's what pe a lot of people do with it. Wrap roast. Um... <clears throat> I've had uh, I've had meatballs wrapped in coal fat before and they were delicious. Oof, um, nice. I kept I kept a whole bunch of coal fat from a November buck this year and I'm excited to put that to good use too. Nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. So in short, uh, like just to summarize, Garrett, we didn't totally screw up on the goat hunt. Um, no, that's we've got enough. the Sumas meat stamp of approval. <laughs> that's for, right. That's uh, right. Creek Creek Meat Care. Um, you should have seen this creek, Uli, too. It was, <laughs> it was dirty. It was a, it was a yucky, yucky creek. It wasn't, you know, not the ideal clear it running. Like the Fraser River. Oh, yeah, yeah, there it you was, go. Beautiful. There was Smelled a lot of debris. Yeah, I think that was in your text actually. Unreed's message to me was as long yeah. as, as long as the meat's protected from debris, and we're already a couple of kilometers away from where we dumped <laughs> in the creek. And I'm like, buddy, that's gonna be, there's gonna be some debris. But, yeah, uh, that goat ate well, so. Good. I feel good, good about it. I think I made the right decision still. Good, good. I'm glad. On that quick note, that the, definitely the reason I brought that up is because I have had guys where they'll drop, you know, like say uh, a moose, you know, a big animal into a creek um, with, uh, with no protection at all. And if you drop it into the sand, that sand's never coming off. Like it, oh, it sticks yeah, it's to the just meat get ground it, into it. It just does not come off. Like you can't wipe it off later and yeah. that's, you got to reskin that whole thing. And sand is one of those things that once it's on there, there's always going to be a little bit. Right? Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. So I think we avoided that. I know we Good. trashed the game bags and we were using yeah the more tight knit, tight woven, um, awesome pillowcase style game bags. And I, I don't know about you, Garrett, but I had I don't think I had any sand on my meat. At least very little. No, I know sand. I had the odd pebble. I think it was that one bag got a bit of a hole in it. 
just from bouncing. So then there was a, yeah, it wasn't overall, though I haven't had many. Issues. I think Pebbles so, ate in digestion anyways. Really good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, All right, well, this has been that. good, Ollie. Thanks for coming on. And this isn't no, going to be the last pleasure. time. I'm going to get you on more and more, yeah. hopefully, when we get good, more so. hairbrained questions. And awesome. when we uh, oh, start like doing it. that dry age process. Right on. No, I love, like, again, because I'm in the, in the situation where I get to see so much and hear so much, I, you know, the more that I can pass on and help out the community, I love it. I enjoy it. I love it. That's great. If, you, yeah, if, you, if you've got anything cool going on, let me know and we'll, uh, we'll chat about it. That'd be cool. Sweet. Nice meeting you, Uli. <laughs> Absolutely, Gary. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. All right, guys. Cheers.